Hello, everyone. It is great to have you here today. My name is Gary Fowler, and I am the CEO, president, and co-founder of GSD Get Shit Done Venture Studios, a premier AI and quantum venture studio located in Santa Clara, California. It is with great pleasure today that I introduce my friend Stanley Enyanti. Stanley is an incredible entrepreneur, incredible investor with an amazing background from Triodos uh, to Phillips to Meisterstrick Center for Entrepreneurship, where he's a visiting uh, lecturer, just an incredible array. And, and from my standpoint, uh, where we really connected is the impact that he has on the African continent and the kind of things he's doing to make this world a better place for each and every one of us. And with that, I'd like to bring Stanley online. Hi, Stanley. Hey, Gary. Thanks for having me on your show. I mean, it's incredible to be part of the journey that you actually currently undertaking with um, GSD Labs. And thank you very much for having me. You make me sound like a lot of people, but <laughs> thanks for the introduction. Well, I gotta say, I mean, you got an incredible background and, you know, you're a very humble guy, you know, talking when we talk about Triodos. I mean, how does it go, by the way? So where were you uh, born originally? Where were you born in uh, South Africa or um, Nigeria? Where, where exactly were you born? Well, that's the funny thing. Originally, I was actually born in, I was born in Ghana. Um, I was born in 82 in Ghana. And I think like, you know, one of the funny things is that during the late 80s, um, HIV became quite a big problem in South Africa. And of course, due to apartheid, there was not a lot of black doctors in South Africa. My dad is a doctor. And, you know, one of the things that he wanted to do was actually come and give a helping hand to some of the um, HIV patients in South Africa. And we moved to South Africa in about 91. And yeah, I got stuck in South Africa since 91 and just watched my dad actually like, you know, apply himself towards the whole, you know, um, social impact vertical because I mean, you know, coming to help um, people in need is always something that has been in our blood. So yeah, that's what made me come to South Africa. I think about 10, 15, 10 11 years ago, um, I, I went to the Netherlands to do my MBA and that's where I've been stuck since then. So. I can say that I'm a citizen of three countries. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. So Ghana, then to South Africa, and then to the Netherlands. And, you know, so you have your Master of Science degree from the University of Cape Town yeah. and financial management. What's the journey like anyhow? So, you know, I mean, you've, you've seen a lot. I mean, it's like, you know, and I know you work throughout the continent. Which, what's the journey been like going from Africa to the Netherlands? And, and I know you're on the board of Philips and Triodos and, you know, a lot of different things, incredible positions. What's the journey like? I mean, how, how does it feel? Well, it's been a totally learning experience, to be honest. I think like, you know, being able to start my early career in Africa made me better understood that the position that we're in and what we need to make a difference. And I think, you know, being fortunate enough to also like, you know, um, go and work in the Netherlands allowed me to connect the two. Because I mean, as you know, capital normally flows from north to south. And in order to get the right type of capital flowing from north to south, you need to actually demonstrate what the issues are in the south. I think, you know, one of my, um, I, I spent some time in Washington, D.C. I was at Georgetown University for a while and also gave me a different perspective on how, like, you know, the, the West, if I can say the United States in the West actually looks at things. I think, like, you know, the most important thing is being able to connect the two. Because I mean, like, you know, Africa is not Europe, it's not America, it's not China, it's Africa. 
So it is very important that we are able to actually um, give our narrative to the first world in order to demonstrate the type of funding and the type of, like, you know, if I can say, um, help that we need in order to actually cross that boundary. So it's been a good journey, a tiresome journey, but I'm still enjoying it. <laughs> no, that's great. And, you know, the one thing uh, my partner Derek was in, Nigeria recently. And I got to tell you, I mean, most people don't realize, I mean, there are over a billion people in the African continent and a lot, a lot of youth, um, folks under 35 and the kind of technology seriously in terms of artificial intelligence, machine learning, deep learning, fintech. I mean, it's world-class Stanley. It's like the, you know, it's like a gold that's, you know, or diamonds in the rough. It's crazy how many opportunities there are and it's, it's untapped, you know, and, it's so over the last year with the, you know, really democratization of opportunities and the digital transformation, we've been able to reach out with things like StreamYard and Zoom to really be able to connect. And so what do you see? I mean, I see this, you know, from my standpoint, you know, I'm contacted by a lot of the African founders, um, the investors who really want to go global. Right. And they want to take their companies to the global stage. So what do you see today? How is it? How does it now compared to two years ago? What do you see over the next couple of years, next five years? I think one of our biggest challenges about 10, 20 years ago was the lack of infrastructure development on the African continent. But thanks to technology and AI, we, it's actually become one of our um, advantage because we're not held back by an existing infrastructure that we need to change in order to rebuild. So, I mean, like, you know, you're talking about being able to speak and um, being able to um, act on Zoom and, like, you know, talk on Zoom and connect with the rest of the world. I've been stuck in Africa for the last four months, but yet I've been able to, like, you know, conduct my affairs and my work all across the continent and across the European continent. So I think, like, you know, Africa is transitioning. Uh, uh, there is no doubt about it. I mean, we had a long conversation on what, um, you know, GSD was actually doing in Nigeria. And for us, that is exactly the type of transitioning that we need is people actually coming down locally to actually understand how the ecosystem really works in order to actually plug in their understanding with where they are kind of, if I can say, technicality is coming from, from overseas. So, I mean, at the end of the day, we are actually looking to actually, um, if I can say, get on their tech train. And I mean, like you said, there is incredible amount of expertise, innovators, and ideas coming from typical Africans. But of course, you know, the lack of like, you know, the connectivity between us and the understanding of the first world or what we're trying to achieve kind of creates that breakdown in our ability to actually, you know, get on that stage that we need. I think, you know, Facebook and Andela in Nigeria, I mean, there's quite a few, um, if I can say, good stories. But of course, like, you know, there's a lack of them. And I think that is one of the issues that we face now. And of course, it's part of our subject of discussion today. So I look forward to that. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we're working with Primu, we're working with Spotter and other companies that we've identified. And just, you know, I, I got to tell you, the spirit, the belief, the ability of the people to be positive about their projects and um, the hope it's absolutely incredible. I just, you know, I, I'm awestruck and and uh, blessed to be around it because it's a great opportunity for each and every one of you. So listeners out there, listen, there are incredible opportunities. Uh, entrepreneurs, uh, you know, at the very highest level, they really want to take their projects and projects uh, global. 
and they're looking for the right conduit. They're looking for the right type of investors. They really want to make a dent in the universe. And, you know, it's not just about giving. It's about creating some business together where everybody wins. It's not, you know, entitlement. It's let's win. Let's do something together and let's make a dent in the universe. Because when it's all said and done, we're all here. We've learned over the last year, right, Stanley, that, you know, with this pandemic, the vulnerabilities, we can't even get a roll of toilet paper, but yet we have quantum computers. What's wrong with that picture? <laughs> and I mean, I think Gary, you mentioned one thing that is absolutely critical. It's like, you know, we got to shift our mindset because Africa is not all about giving. We actually don't want anything given to us. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about looking at the commercial commerciality of the underlying in order to make a difference. And I mean, I keep referring back to, you know, what you guys are doing is that you are out here to look for investment opportunities, plus the technical assistance through the accelerators that you bring. And those are the kind of ideas that we need rather than somebody saying, I'll give you an ODA and see whether, you know, you can actually create something out of it. No, I mean, that doesn't take us anywhere. I mean, you know, as I said earlier on, we are capitalists at heart, but I mean, we got to overlay the new way of thinking over the, um, the um, capitalist theoretical understanding in order to actually um, align with the new age. I agree 100%. You know, Stanley, I grew up on the side of a mountain in Pennsylvania in a 500-person village. You know, I had Amish and Mennonites around me. I mean, we didn't have a whole lot. You know, where it was uh, my mother was a housewife, and, you know, we would go in the woods, you know, have fun. I would travel five, six miles to see my buddy uh, on my bike to go see him. And so we didn't have a lot. And so we came from this little tiny village. And it's really, it's it's inspiring to see all these incredible entrepreneurs around the world that are doing things, you know, haven't gone through that journey as, as I, I said earlier, you know, my grandmother is uh, from Egypt originally She migrated to the U S but she's a, she was a Greek, uh, but grew up in Alexandria. So, you know, I've got, you know, I've got my heart there. I think there's incredible opportunities. And when I, I speak to Egyptians, I speak to Rwandans, I speak to South Africans, Nigerians, it's just incredible the technologies they're developing. It's almost like they've got a they're encapsulated. They've been developed these incredible things, and like they're there for people to see. But you know, uh, not enough people have seen them. The good news is they are now. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, thank God for the Internet of Things, and you're absolutely right. I mean, some of the technologies that are actually coming out from the African continent for me actually blows my mind. I mean. You know, one of the things that, you know, you keep talking about, you also mentioned earlier on, is like simple thing like fintech, simple thing like AI, simple things like machine learning. I mean, most of it is actually some, there are some African entrepreneurs that are actually working quite hard to develop these verticals. But unfortunately, like, you know, developing and actually commercializing is two different things. And I think that is the little step that we're missing is taking it from a developmental ideology to a commercialized um, state without losing our um, control over that underlying technology. And I think that is the, is the balance that needs to be actually looked at because I mean, in the end, of course, foreign direct investment is critical to any environmental um, development, mm -hmm. but you really got to touch it with a, with, a, with a pin because I mean, if you give too much of your equity away, you actually have no control of your own destiny. And I think that is where the, the challenge really comes from. Yeah, you definitely don't want to give too much away. The other, 
you know, let's talk about some of the unicorns that are, have come out and some of, you know, companies like Facebook get involved in Africa. I mean, it's not like the big players aren't interested. I mean, the gates opened up and they're starting to come down and look at those. So what, what do you see in terms of, you know, potential unicorns and companies that have been recently acquired or invested in? What do you see from your perspective? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, like you just mentioned, if you look at some of the big unicorns and some of the big tech companies, I mean, at the end of the day, they actually don't innovate by actually um, coming up with new ideas. They innovate by actually acquiring into new markets. And I mean, like you mentioned, um, Facebook is a, is a good example. I mean, Google is set up a, a if you can say, an accelerator tech um, in, in, on the continent. And I mean, that's the, that's the way that it's actually possible to actually move across is that you know, at the end of the day, you cannot bring in your own ideology. You actually have to um, actually acquire. So if you look at some of the entrepreneurs that are in Africa, they're actually looking not to grow, but to actually be acquired in order to be part of the streamline. Because like you, Gary, I mean, everybody wants to be a serial entrepreneur because, I mean, if you have a lot of ideologies, you can apply it, but you need capital. So if I sold my first one, I have enough to actually build my second one in order that I can hold on to it. So... I mean, yeah, everybody's doing, I mean, of course, like, you know, if you look at Jumo, Jumo just came out of Africa, although like, you know, the Germans will still claim it, but it's those type of ideology that are coming through. I mean, um, not long ago, oh, somebody actually, oh, I totally forgot the name, but I mean, in Ghana, they're actually gonna open up their um, African branch in here, and I totally forgot the name of it, but I'll remember it now and give it back to you. And that is exactly what is happening, I mean, the opportunities are there. Gary, like you mentioned, there's a billion people here. There is a billion people here. And I mean, like, you know, with that, that means that there's a strong market for um, potentials to actually come and participate. But, you know, you got to think about how to enter and what you should be doing while you enter. So, yeah, I mean, if you look at it, I do believe, and I'll put my foot down, and I think in 10 years' time, maybe we can have another conversation, is that the next big one will be coming out of Africa. Where do you see, like, you know, so right now you're in South Africa, um, but what countries do you see as really, and, and, I, and I, hear, um, I hear about many different startups coming from across the continent, but what countries right now do you really see, you know, leading the charge in this from your perspective? Do you know what, uh, I think um, if we look at South Africa, everybody would think South Africa is looking, leading the charge, but don't forget, South Africa is a mature um, it's a mature country that is already has the interlinkages with the rest of um, the developed world. So, I mean, whatever needs to be, if I can say, um, picked up here has been picked up already. I mean, if you look at places like Nigeria, if you look at places like Egypt, if you look at places like um, Ghana, I mean, those are the little, the new places that are actually coming up because although they are well known to the world, the interconnectivity uh, is not always been there. I mean, Rwanda is also trying to turn itself around into some form of a hub. Kenya is another country, but I think Kenya is actually stagnated with international, um, if I can say, ownership. So I think, you know, you should be looking at Nigeria, you should be looking at Ghana, and you should be looking at Egypt. Those are the three main, um, especially for tech. I mean, those are the three main hubs that there is a lot of opportunities in. I mean, most of the African country continent is trying, but of course they, um, if I can say the misalignment between our local regulatory environment versus the, the regulatory environment expected from the first world is quite vast. So yet again, we are missing that kind of like, you know, um, if I can say um, conjunction in order for this um, kind of development to take place. But, you know, Egypt is one, I mean, I'm very impressed with the tech. Um, I was quite surprised to be honest about Egyptian 
um, tech environment. And of course, you know, Nigeria and Ghana, I would say those are the three countries to actually be looking at. But of course, South Africa is a very, very developed market. I mean, everything that you need is here. <laughs> so I wouldn't call it up and coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> so talk to us about, you know, Triodos and Philips and some of the things you're doing at Triodos. And I know you're on the board. You're, you're doing work with uh, Philips. And, can, and if you could talk about that, too. So what about Triodos? What's what? What are you doing there? What kind of investments are you looking at? And, you know, so what we want to do is open up because I'm sure they're going to be uh, entrepreneurs from all over Africa listen to the show. We want to make sure that they know how to, what kind of things you're looking for. Well, at the end of the day, I think let's start off with Triodos. I'm an investment manager for Triodos. And what we do is that we look at um, investing in sustainable development across the African continent. Our main focus is really on financial inclusion. When I talk about financial inclusion, it's like, you know, if you look at things like fintech and if you look at things like banks because we do believe that having an economy which is able to have a resourceful capital market should be able to develop um if i can say entrepreneurship across the continent so we invest in a lot of banks and a lot of fintechs and a lot of um if i can say payment related um, um enterprises across the across the continent Energy is one of the biggest things that is also a question of state. And I mean, if you look at it, energy and climate change are kind of intertwined, mm -hmm. especially on the African continent where we are actually focused a lot on fossil fuel and a lot of like, you know, carbon dioxide. So we focus on renewable energy. So any companies that have are transitioning into the renewable, using renewable energy state, like, you know, we have the solars, we have the mini grid. So any company that looks at those type of um, infrastructure investment, we actually are more than happy to actually invest in those. Agriculture is also one of the most important things in any economy. If you cannot feed your people, then you might as well go to bed. And so what we look at is that we're looking at transitioning to a more sustainable development, uh, developmental agriculture. So we also look at those type of things. But if you look at those three verticals that I actually talk about, any single um, technological company or AI company that overlays it, we will invest in it. So, I mean, if you look at agriculture, there's a lot of like, you know, companies that are actually monitoring agriculture. Mm -hmm. um, if I can still yield from the text, from the text perspective, we're definitely happy to look at those things. So our main investment verticals are financial inclusion, agriculture, and renewable energy. But any company that overlays technological advancement over those three, we're more than happy with. Uh, also, like um, like you said, clearly I sit on the board of Signifaf, um, um, which is um, the old Philip Lighton. And one of the things that they look to achieve is that, like you know, as they understand that energy is quite an important aspect of their work as well, they are happy to actually invest in any innovation to do with um, energy provision. So if there are any companies that is looking at energy efficiency and mm -hmm. um, production of renewable energy or anything like that, we, we're happy to look at it. I also sit on the um, credit committee for um, the Acumen Fund, PEII um, Fund, which also looks at um, renewable energy technologies in Africa. So most of my, most of my focus is on the three main um, basics of any, um, if I can say, economical development, which is agriculture, financial inclusion and energy provision. So any companies that are within those verticals, they're more than happy to call. So let's talk about what kind of companies you're looking for. Are you in the early stage, series A, series B, what are you looking for? And you know, how big is the fund? 
Well, you know, we look across the spectrum, really. I mean, you know, given our, um, our diversity and our ability to actually invest, we have about three to four funds, especially listed with traders where starters just to actually, um, you know, keep it in a vertical. If you look at traders, we've got about three to four funds where we actually have a fund that specifically looks at innovational kind of stage, like, you know, between 500 to 5 million type of investments. And of course, we have another fund that looks like, you know, kind of a little bit more mature um, state companies where we give from one to um, 50 million, depending on the size of the entity. And of course, we look at, uh, we also have another one that specifically looks at big infrastructure development. So we look across the spectrum. We're not really um, limited. Of course, like, you know, due to the fact that, you know, we sit in the Netherlands and I invest in um Africa, um, it is very important to have companies with a little bit of a disciplined operational um, ideology because we're not going to be sitting next to you every day, but of course we will come and visit you. So we look at companies with that type of uh, mindset, strong management and like, you know, a good governance system. So we can, we have a lot more trust in them. If yeah. you look at well, I was coming, I was coming to Signify. Signify is more like, you know, we actually provide more of grant type of funding where you know you need a grant in order to develop a prototype an ideology in order to actually commercialize that ideology so you know we are actually funding from the grants all the way up to the big infrastructure um if i can say entities and what kind of check size do you write what, what do the grants typically look like well, the grants will typically looks from like, you know, as small as 10,000 to about 500,000, depending on like, you know, the stage of your innovation. I mean, you know, our last um, company that I can actually remember as giving a sizable one is a company called Felix, Phoenix International, which is um, a big multinational, well, it's a big um, multi-continental company that actually um, provides solar home systems. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are a big operational company. We actually provided them a grant of about 250,000 in order to do some market step, for example. So it's all about building the ecosystem while actually also trying to operate in an ecosystem. So we give all type of funding. And then what about Trieros? I know you have, what, a $4.9 billion fund, if I remember correctly. Yes, of course. And I mean, Triodos, I mean, it's more specific when we look at more like, you know, operational companies, because at the end of the day, if you look at a private equity fund, there are kind of um, responsibilities and expectations from the LPs. So, you know, we provide debt type of funding, we provide equity type of funding, and we're starting to provide more mezzanine type of um, funding in order to help um, companies actually develop to the next stage of growth. And, you know, when you look at ticket sizes for Triodos, it varies from 500,000 to the 50 million um, dollars rather than, and I mean, the good news about Triodos, which is quite impressive, is the fact that we actually provide you the funding in local currency. I mean, one of the things that I always don't understand is that you come and provide dollars in an economy where you know that it's got illiquid capital markets, yeah, yeah. And very um, risky currency um, currency environment. So Triodos actually takes on a lot of risk by actually providing you the local currency so you can actually just worry about operationality rather than playing the liquidity game to see whether you can repay your loans through like, you know, um, currency management. And then what about the grant? How does it work? So there's a do you take equity do you take equity in the companies for the grant or or is it a loan? does it work oh i'm not at all the whole thing is that our grant is kind of we call it re, um repayable grants and what happens is that for example let's say you have um you have a you just started a new innovative company okay but what you need to do is that if you think about the venture capital type of equity that is provided 
That's what our grant is meant to do. The only thing is that if you're successful, we ask you just to pay that grant back. We don't take any shareholding, we don't take any interest, we don't take anything. Unfortunately, if you're not successful, we lose the grant. So for us, it's kind of a, it's almost free money, but you got accountability if you become successful. It's free money if you fail. Yeah, it's free money if you fail because yeah, I mean, then both of us are win, right? That's a great thing. So you want them to pay you back. What's the rate of payback, by the way? How does it, <laughs> it how, I'm curious, is it, you know, nine, they say nine out of 10 startups fail. I've been, the ones we've been around actually have been a lot more successful. But what do you, what do you see? It's just, I'm curious. I'm going to be honest with you. Currently, we are, I was actually speaking to the CEO of the foundation, and currently we, our payback is about um, 85 to 90%. Oh, so, that's fantastic, Stanley. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. It, that's great. So, and that's what has made it so um, also positive for us because the more payback we get, the more we're actually able to give more and the more we're able to give a bigger ticket. Because, for example, the foundation will get um, um, funding from Signified, the parent company, every year, but they only get a set amount of funding. But if we get more payback, that means that that set amount of funding is actually bigger, which allows us to actually finance more, finance bigger, and take more risks. So I think, like, you know, for this type of financing actually works for the real startups. And I mean, like, you know, if you look at especially companies coming out of accelerators, I mean, at the end of the day, once you come out of the accelerator, you're not really like, you know, straight into the market where like, you know, you're in touch with your customers and being able to pay back. So what we do is that we provide you the grant as an equity leverage, but we don't take any equity, but I'm just trying to explain how it works. We'll provide it to you as an equity leverage to enable you to hire the right staff and also have the right technology and things like that. Because the, main, the most difficult thing that startup face is the length of time it takes them to reach economics of scale. Yeah. Now, if you've got free, we won't call it free money because if you're successful, you have to pay back. But if you've got money that has got no requirements to it, it gives you the opportunity to actually try and fail, try and fail until you reach that economics of scale where you can actually reach your customers. Because that is the difficulty that we face is that prices are too high for the ecosystem to actually afford it. And you can only lower your prices when your marginal cost is actually um, low enough for you to be able to be to make that margin. So I, I like that type of funding, to be honest. No, that's great. I mean, the thing is, and so, you know, you, you, your whole idea is you want to pay it back, right? So to pay it back, but it's a good thing. No, that's incredible. So, you know, in terms of, so over the next um, five years, what kind of technologies do you see? I know you talk, we talk about renewable, we talk about fintech. What kind of things do you see really starting to bubble up and become uh, interesting across the continent. What, what, so have you said, what are the top three things from your perspective today? Like, is it machine learning or deep learning? Is it, uh, we know FinTech is hot, but what else? I mean, there's, there's other things that we hear about. What do you see? I think interconnectivity is key. I really think interconnectivity is key. I think um, like, you know, um, mobility is also very key. Mm -hmm. And I think if you look at, you know, you know, machine learning is key, but machine learning is go, it has to go, especially in Africa, it's got to go hand in hand with the operationality of the labor market. Because as you know, like, you know, the more machine learning you have, if you don't have, if I can say, a very educated um, ecosystem, then it's a replacement. But if you have machine learning, because Africa is still transitioning into a very educated ecosystem, we need them to go hand in hand until the labor market can actually focus on building those machine learnings 
rather than being replaced by them. Mm -hmm. So I think those are the interconnectivity, mobility are the most important thing that um, we all need right now. And so is it, is it, um, what about 6G? Do you hear much? I know 5G, of course, we talked well, about it. You know, I think like, you know, and that's the difficult thing. Things are actually, and then, you know, the pace of um, technological advancement is also becoming a danger because nobody has the time to actually institutionalize the new technology that is being actually developed. And then you've got to move to the next one. Right, and exactly. And I think that, and that's why I keep saying is that we've got to kind of draw a boundary around Africa by giving it the time to actually implement. Because right now, before we actually wake up and say, oh yeah, oh yeah, we're already behind. It's almost like an Apple development of Apple phones. <laughs> and like, you know, I think for us at this moment, 5G should be good enough. 5G should be really, really good enough to get the interconnectivity right. Once the interconnectivity is right and it's laid down, you can always build upon it. But right now there's no layer. You know, we still like, you know, sometimes I look at my phone and I see 3G for example, and that's how far some of us are in terms of like, you know, connectivity on the continent. But I think as great as 6G is, I think it's more for the already established um, places like China, you know, if you look at America, because they already got the infrastructure to actually handle those type of things. Well, I mean, but that can be the, you know, that that's, could be a challenge too, because you have the infrastructure, but it's 40 years old. <laughs> now, I don't know how this works, but it's kind of interesting. You've got California and Silicon Valley, mm. uh, great technologies come out of there. Some of the greatest companies in the world have been born there and created there. But at the same time, you know, we have power failures, right? <laughs> and now, how is it? I don't know about you, but I feel like the movie Dumb and Dumber sometimes when this stuff is <laughs> You know, quantum computers, machine learning, unsupervised AI, and we can't get any power. <laughs> Something's wrong with the picture, but in yeah. Africa, you can skip it, right? Because you can go right to that and look at those incredible technologies yeah. to make it a lot more mobile, to make it more interesting, to give more power. Of course. And I think you're absolutely right, because I mean, like you clearly state, how is it that you're so far technologically advanced, but yet there's still a hope because you never take the time to actually see, to actually close that hole before you move to the next vertical. And that hole remains because nobody deals with it. They just make it faster and the whole unfortunately gets bigger. For me, like, you know, an ecosystem like South Africa, I mean, like, you know, sometimes I do, um, if I can say, um, what you call it, light art is a common thing. I mean, in a South African perspective, and for me, it's surprising that, you know, you don't have power for a certain part of the day in an ecosystem that is so far developed. So I do think that, you know, we need to actually slow down a little. And in order to slow down, we need to actually identify what are the missing gaps that we need to fill before we can actually move on to the next step. But I do think like, you know, machine learning could be very, very helpful in those kind of things because they can actually work out the verticals of what you needed to be done. But yet again, as I come back to it, in the African context, we need to actually develop together. We cannot like, you know, just overlay that. No, I agree with you. And, you know, just to, <laughs> just to make you feel better, this morning, it sounded like I have battery backups throughout my place here. I'm in uh, Palm Beach in Florida right now. And the power mm -hmm. about three times, it sounded like there was a flock of birds here. <laughs> battery backups were going off at the same time, their alarms. And I thought, I was in the middle of a Zoom call. I thought, this is crazy. You know what I mean? How can it be? Yeah. You know, um, so, yeah, it's interesting. And, 
you know, these are great times for humanity to be able to work together to make it. Awesome. You're right about it. Climate change, the population over the next, by the end of this century, will be about 13 billion, up from 8 billion. We've got challenges with global warming. I remember years ago, I was involved in a startup in uh, long range weather forecasting. And I mean, look at it. I mean, we're, the temperatures are rising, dramatic impacts across the world. Agritech needs to really move forward with. Uh, mm -hmm. 4.0, Agritech 4.0, how do we feed people better? How do we look at things that are more nutritious? Then at the same time, how do we live longer? You know, the target is 150 years old. How can we work together to do that, to make this world a better place and help each other? Because, you know, when it's all said and done, it's compassion and happiness that are really important to be able to live our lives better and to be able to help each other to do it. So it's never easy, but it's a sure lot of fun. So <laughs> listen, we're coming to the top of the hour, Stanley. I wanted to get down, I wanna be uh, courteous of your time. In terms of closing thoughts and where can people reach you? So your closing thoughts and, and how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, I mean, of course, like, you know, um, people can get hold of me anytime via LinkedIn or my email. I think we were kind enough to actually share the LinkedIn profile on there. Um, on the program. And I think like, you know, one of the things as one of the closing thoughts is uh, one of the things that you say said is that the population growth is going to be actually growing exponentially in the next 30 years. People see it as a danger, Kerry. I see it as an opportunity. Because at the end of the day, if you can sustainably produce and you can sustainably actually incorporate those guys into our living ecosystem without destroying it, I mean, you can definitely have a new uh, market vertical that you can sell into. So I think like, you know, the thinking has to be a little bit different. The thinking has to be more about like, you know, how do we incorporate technology into assessing our ecosystem to enable us to actually be able to cater for all this um, humanity coming out because it's a new market it creates a massive opportunity for everybody else i think one of the things that we you know i'm going to bring it back into the african con context a little bit before we go i think one of the things that um most entrepreneurs in africa have to understand is that listen at the end of the day your underlying um innovation is probably one of the best in the world I mean, at the end of the day, the only challenge is that, you know, you don't have a lot of carries in the world who actually understand the linkages between what um, you need to achieve in Africa versus the type of money and the type of assistance that you need. So you just got to keep going. You really, really got to keep going and identify the right type of investors who can actually help you and um, take it to the next stage. Because, I mean, as I said, I'll say again, I am, I've, I've lived in a few countries across the world and I'm much more amazed about the technologies coming up here than what I've experienced. So thank you very much, Gary. Yeah, no, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And, you know, I remember when I was a kid, I read this thing, uh, Muhammad Ali said it, and some other fighters have said it too. It's not the person that gets knocked down. It's the person that gets back up. And when you're building a startup, you got to understand that, you know, it's not about failing. It's about making a pivot and moving in another direction, like your car. You take the wrong turn. You change. So it's great to have you. I really appreciate Stanley taking time out of your busy schedule to be here. I'm honored and humbled to have you here today. Look forward to working with you in the future and trying to make this world a better place and actually making it a better place. So let's go get them. To my audience, thank you very much. Stay tuned. I'll be back again Thursday with GST Presents, Silicon Valley AI and Tech. Stanley, thank you very much. Audience, see you later and bye-bye. Bye-bye.